This is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are pleased to have you join us as we offer up God's Word as the necessary food for His people. The Word of God finds its fullest expression in the person of Jesus Christ. May He be exalted before you today. Now here is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. Listen to the words of Psalm 68, verses 1 and 2. Let God arise, let His enemies be scattered, let those also who hate Him flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. These were the words that the nation of Israel would proclaim when they set out on a march or to move into a new territory. They remind us that we are to follow God and that we and God have enemies. And now we see how easily it is for God to destroy the enemies before us. But they have a bravado about them, don't they? They have a certain kind of arrogance, a certain kind of pride, a certain strut about them. And when you see these things, when they speak against God, when they speak against truth, you have to think about the moment when God will reveal himself to them. The moment when he will make himself known to them and how quickly they will quake. How quickly all of that bravado and all that arrogance and all that pride will just blow away and melt. I've got a little dog that you think could tear the head off of a lion. When he sees a cat, he's behind the fence and he goes crazy. He growls and he shouts and he screams and he rages. He'll literally come and slam himself into the fence hoping the boards will break loose for him so he can get at him and tear him apart. You know, the other day, he actually got out of that fence after one of those cats, and that cat was in the middle of the street, and the cat paused and stopped. It didn't run, it just stood there. And the dog ran up until he got right within inches of the cat, and then the cat just raised up one claw, just like this, just like this. And the dog became immediately paralyzed. <laughs> His legs collapsed. He was crawling away with his front feet like this, trying to roll over at the same time. And then the cat kind of uh, retreated a little bit, and he got up, and he went at him with a charge, and the cat stopped and raised his claw again. And once again, the dog was paralyzed, rolled over. Behind legs were totally dead. Front legs were trying to crawl away while laying on his stomach at the same time. And what bluster. What a false impression of real intense. Daniel chapter 5 tells us a story very similar to that. Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, is the king of Babylon. He's throwing a great feast at a time when the Medes and Persians are coming against his empire and against his nation. He wants to show that he's in control. He wants to somehow express that he's in so much control that he has no fear. This is not a time for a battle. Let's throw a feast. Let's show people that we're in control. And so the feast takes place, a boast of his power. He then orders that the holy vessels that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem be brought out so that his nobles and their wives and his wives and his concubines can drink from them. And so Daniel chapter 5 verse 4, we read this. This is what they did with the dedicated vessels of God from the temple. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Well, just then in this great hall in which this feast was taking place, God made himself known to King Belshazzar. And upon the wall of the hall, a human hand came down. Belshazzar saw it. And it wrote a phrase upon the wall which meant, numbered 
weighed, divided. God had numbered the days of the king. He had weighed his falsehood. And he would divide and take his kingdom and give it to the Medes and the Persians. That's what Belshazzar is going to find out. Daniel 5.6 tells us of the quick turn that happened to this boastful and arrogant king when he saw that hand writing on the wall. It says this, Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. Get that? This is it. This is wax melting in the presence of fire. You see? This is a man blowing smoke, being blown away by the wind of God. The next line says, the king cried aloud. I know that life is hard. I know that the enemy is constantly coming against us so that there are challenges and trials and sorrows and difficulties and battles all these and more. But when God goes before us, these things no longer threaten us. You know, when our attitude is before all those things, God arise and go before me and scatter the enemies, He does. They don't threaten us. They don't throw us off from the path of victory, the pathway that ultimately will bring us to that point of rejoicing and praise and triumph that pathway that will keep ascending until the day in which we will ascend into heaven and then heaven will come down upon the earth and all things will be of God and for His glory. Paul says, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, that when God goes before us, quote, God always, always, always leads us in triumph in Christ. How easily His enemies are scattered. That through us He might diffuse the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. There's no suspense in the outcome of the trials of your life. It's not even an exciting book to read. What will happen next? If all you're reading is to find out if something good or something bad happens, something good is going to happen. God is going to be victorious. God is going to triumph if He arises before you and is leading to scatter your enemies. Always leads us in triumph. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul's in prison. And yet there in prison, this is what he says in verses 11 through 13. In prison. One of those always places. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, smoke blows away and wax melts when God rises up to lead Paul as he leads my life. So here's a question for you. If you are long in the struggle, constantly in defeat, the question is, what have you been praying? Who have you been following who is leading and determining where you go? What are you doing with your life? Listen, where God leads, there's always the note of triumph and victory and the fragrance of Christ lingering in those places to the glory of God. And so if that is not the smell 
around your life, then you are not honestly praying in this way, are you? If He always leads you in triumph, if He always displaces the person that calls upon Him the fragrance of Christ, and that's not the scent rising up in your life, where is the error? Who has gone wrong? Then you're not honestly again praying in this way. Here's the lesson number four. We pray arise, we pray arise, because sometimes God seems to be keeping us in a holding pattern. We pray arise because sometimes we are not moving ahead. We pray arise because sometimes the enemy seems to be free to oppress us. We pray arise, God wake up, God lead me out of this in the prayer. But just remember this, if God isn't leading you out of some seeming hardship or difficulty, it's for a reason. <laughs> he has a purpose. He may be waiting for you to let him lead. I'm sorry, I can't take you out of this place until you're willing to follow me. It may be that he's teaching you to trust him. He's shaping you a deeper faith. It may be that he's crafting a greater reward for you through the midst of that trial. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4.17 says. It says this, Your light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working for you a far more exceeding weight and glory. It may be that God is saying, hey, Look, I'm just casting a little more crown and gold and silver and jewels upon your life in the midst of this. I know it's under pressure, but that's how these things are made. God knows why He waits. His patience is also reflected in the fact that God longs for all to come to repentance. And so often what He does is He places us in prison cells so that those who witness our lives might come to know His truth and come to witness Him. You see the prayer, God arise and go before me, doesn't mean anything unless you're willing to wait patiently for the Lord when He doesn't seem to be leading. When He says, no, Let's stay here a little longer. Linger under this Shekinah cloud in this place. I'll decide. I'll lead. Well, here's the conclusion. Just two more points to make. Two more things to note from this. The fifth lesson. This kind of praying is prophecy as well. This kind of praying. God arise, go before us, scatter our enemies. God, you lead and go before me and scatter the enemy. This kind of praying is prophetic. Because... When God arises, He always scatters the enemy. God will arise. God will scatter His enemies. He does. He does again and again. He will one last time forever. It's axiomatic. You want to get the gift of prophecy? Pray this prayer. You want to prophesy? Pray this prayer. God arise. Go before us. Scatter our enemies. Scatter your enemies. You've just prophesied because He will. He will. Here's the sixth lesson. It's this. This was shared with me in a journal I read by Alexander McCall. He made it known in 1840. He points out that this prayer is the prayer of the saints in heaven as well. Interesting. He points out that there's only one prayer that we have in the Bible revealing to us the prayer of departed saints or Christians who have gone from this earth into the presence of Jesus Christ. And that prayer is found in Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10, and it sounds very much like Psalm chapter 68, verses 1 and 2. 
Revelation 6, verses 9 and 10. You have the martyrs under the altar of God in heaven. And it says this, John writes, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Now think about this. These are souls that have been removed from the suffering of this world. These are souls that are safe from the attacks of the enemy for eternity. These are individuals who have secured the joy of God's presence, and yet their happiness is not complete. They long for justice to finish its work, for every last enemy of the Lord to be set down, for the day when all the shallow triumphs of those who oppose the ways of God to be silenced, and God to lead out and blow away once and for all all of His enemies. It's the prayer of the saints in heaven. It should be the prayer of the saints on earth. But you cannot pray it without intent to follow daily, moment by moment. The mic dropped off right there, but I know what the words were. It was to follow daily, moment by moment, in His presence. May God lead you to pray in this way. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.